America's small business conversation is on the air. It's the Pat Miller Show. One hour exclusively for entrepreneurs to work on your business, not in it. It's time to solve problems, capture opportunities, and celebrate your wins. Powered by the Idea Collective small business community. This is the Pat Miller Show. Now your host, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. We're back together again. Hello and welcome to the Pat Miller Show. This is one hour for us to work on our business because Lord knows if you're like me, uh, you spent about 73 and a half hours already this week working in your business. So now is our chance to talk about our business itself, to think a little bit bigger, to be challenged, to be pushed, and to just kind of put our arms around the concept of building our own dream. We've got some great stuff on today's program, ways that you could make your events even more impactful, how to get more out of networking and meeting people, how to get out of overwhelm and get organized. But we're starting here because I'm not really proud to admit, but I've been triggered, like completely triggered. I read something on Twitter that made me so emotional. I wrote and deleted the tweet three or four different times. Have you had that happen to you before? You see something and you think, oh, this shall not stand. And you take a break and think, no, that could be misinterpreted. But no, I got to say it. Good thing I have a show and you're here so I can vent to you. Besides, this is a safe space. It's just us talking here, right? So you and I get to explore what made me so crazy this week. So I'm innocently scrolling the Twitter, blah, 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 which I do way too much. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do work. I'm going to scroll Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And I came across a tweet that just reminded me of how much misunderstanding and straight disrespect there is in our culture for what you and I do for a living. It just made me crazy. So on Twitter... There's a guy, and he tweeted something along the lines of, Wharton MBAs are going to avoid Wall Street and instead open a boring small business in some random town in the U.S. Oh, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. The tweet was basically, Oh, all of these smart people are going to not do the really important work on Wall Street. Instead, they'll go to some random city in the U.S. and open a boring small business. Oh, baby. Wow. That really got me. Like, what is he trying to say? Like, finally, the smart people are coming to save us dummies that are running a small business? Is that what he's saying? Or is he saying that... What we do is a simpleton activity and building your own small business from scratch with your own bare hands most times is easy. Or maybe we're all bad at it and they can do it better. Or if the smart people came, maybe America could be saved because all of us are incompetent. I mean, what is he trying to say there? I went through the replies and the replies were just, I, I thought I was triggered to begin with. And then I went to the replies, and I just saw blue. 
The replies were something like this. Oh, wow. If those really smart people came, think of the impact. Oh, my goodness, our economy. What would happen if all of the sudden the smart people came? So by this point, I had, like I say, I had written like three or four different replies and deleted them. And I thought that you and I would just talk about them instead. First of all, I take offense to the idea that someone that's good at standardized tests and can get into Wharton, they may be book smarter than us, but are they smarter, smarter than us? If you took the average Wharton MBA student, could they operate your floral store the same way you do? Could they, you know, be a coach or a consultant or a photographer or whatever? Could they? Absolutely. But do they know what they're getting into? That's the difference. You see, what you and I do for a living isn't necessarily a mental exercise. Like you have to be some Wharton MBA to figure it out. It's not the content. It's the lifestyle that makes running a small business so difficult. Why? Well, we work our butt off. And when you start, especially as a solopreneur, you have to be very talented at switching brain powers, at going from delivering the product to marketing the product to selling the product to cleaning up after yourself to balancing the books to negotiating a lease to finding your raw materials to hiring an employee. Like you are the jack of all trades or the Jill of all trades. You've got all the trades is what I'm trying to say. It's not a very narrow discipline. So that makes what we do really hard. The second thing is just the sheer volume of work we must do is not for the faint of heart. If you want to build a small business and you want it to win, it's not 15 hours a week. It's not, I'll do a portion of it and everybody else will do the rest. It is literally blood, sweat, and tears. And the other thing, and this is the big one, oftentimes, the vast majority of us at least, we're playing with our own money. Our risk profile is totally different. Totally different. If we go and we start a software as a service company and we get some investors, well, the investors get a piece of our company, but I'm using their money. Who cares if my budget goes over $10,000? Or who cares if I miss the quarterly profit? Now, do they care? Of course they care. But it certainly is a lot different when you're signing away your house to get the small business loan. It certainly is different if your kid's college tuition bill is due and you didn't get the deal. It's certainly a lot different if your raw material prices go up and all of a sudden the muffins you bake have to cost an extra 50 cents and your sales go down. Tell me if that sounds familiar. Wharton MBAs, geniuses. But the implication that just because you're smart means that you can lead and win in the small business lifestyle just makes me crazy. Crazy. And I don't tolerate the disrespect. Because small business is not some charity case. You and I don't need a favor from our friends. We're not less than some tech startup or Wall Street. And I'll say, 
as someone that's operating a small business in random town USA or on the air here in Lincoln, Nebraska, God love you. We are building a dream, we're feeding a family, and we're making it work. Small business is a lifestyle. Small business is so hard and so important to the future of this country. So if he means what he says, that Wharton MBAs are going to get off Wall Street and come to random town USA and open a boring small business, bring it on, baby, because we need more great operators and we need more people living and supporting the small business lifestyle. But I'm telling you right now, if you think it's easy, if you think it's something anyone can do, if you think it's a downgrade from being a trader on Wall Street, you have no idea what you're talking about. And if you're listening to the show, tell me you don't agree. Tell me you don't know how hard you work. You don't know the risks you're taking. And you don't know that they don't know. <laughs> I won't tolerate the disrespect. I won't have it. I won't have it. There you go. I'm not having it. I'm officially not having it for all of us. On the way on today's show. Let's talk about overwhelm and being busy with Donnell Kelly, how to get organized to get on track. We'll talk with Chris Dyer about how to network properly and make an influence. And I've got 30 ways, 30 ways to promote your next big event or offer. We're here to build your small business dream. Let's start it. Even you, Wharton MBAs. Welcome to this edition of The Pat Miller Show. America's small business conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. If there's one thing that I hear over and over from small business community members, it's that they're unorganized or they're overwhelmed or they don't know how they're going to get it all done. That's the blessing and the curse of being a solopreneur and a small business owner is you've got a lot to do. And how do we get organized and how do we get the big things done to move the business forward? Fortunately for all of us, we're pulling in some expert help. Dawn L. Kelly of Oxley Help is our guest today. She's going to help us get organized. So Dawn L., before we talk about the organization, give us a quick overview. What does Oxley Help do? In a nutshell, Oxley helps you pivot from overwhelmed to organized. We help take your big ideas, we break them down into action steps, and then we actually do the action with you. So it's really fun. All right. So that's exactly what we're talking about today, making things doable so you get the big stuff done and you have a methodology to help people go from overwhelmed to organized. So how does it work? Tell us about it. It's honestly as easy as one, two, three. That's what I call it. The one, two, three method. So essentially to break it down, you want to write down your list for the week, everything that you want to get done. Then you need to label it a one or a two or a three. Number one, you need to do it or you're going out of business. Number two, it needs to get done this week. And number three, it can be pushed to next week or maybe even next month. So that's how you do it. If you want to actually get the individual tasks done, do the same thing. That sounds different than I've heard other people discuss organization. I've heard people talk about, you know, A, B, or C, or one, two, or three, but the judgment wasn't you're going out of business if you don't do this. It was 
priorities and importance and goals. And it sounds like you're running it through a slightly different filter. Can you clarify that difference? Yes, this has helped. This helps you to determine if you're constantly putting out fires. So if you look at your list and you don't have this set up exactly this way, then you're probably doing things in the most difficult way possible. Okay. So you should have more threes than twos and more twos than ones. And therefore, you're constantly reaching and striving to grow, but you're not being really stressed out about it. And you're not constantly living paycheck to paycheck per se, right? You're not in that feast or famine. You have a ton of clients. Now you have no clients and you have a ton, right? If you do this list, this one, two, three, you can be steady. So the first thing we do is we write down everything for the week. But then once this process is up and running, are we only sorting once a week? Are we sorting once a day? Are we sorting at the beginning and the end? Like how frequently do you run the one, two, three setup? It really depends on your preference. I recommend when you're reviewing your metrics weekly, you want to sit down and do the one, two, three. And over time, you will see you're doing less and less number ones and you're having more and more twos and threes because you're staying ahead of the game. So it's important. How many ones end up making it through the filter? Because I could see judging this and thinking, well, everything's a one. So how do you really call balls and strikes on what's a one? (laughs) You know what you need to do to stay in business this week. And hopefully you're not living like that week to week. So this is just starting today, worst case scenario, you have a lot of number ones that you need to grind and hustle to do. The whole point of this methodology is to get you out of from hustling to smooth sailing. All right, so let's talk about this though, because I'm the type of person that wants everything to be a one because I want it all done right now. So how do you handle an impatient client that says, yeah, I have like 19 ones that need to get done today. Like I'm not comfortable allowing twos and threes to even exist. So how do you help someone that might be bristling at the idea of only a few ones? I help them to see by asking them line by line, will you go out of business if you do not get this done? And people think, wow, it's such an oversimplification. I say, that's my job. Okay, we like to get wrapped up in our own heads, but then what about this and what about that? And it's like, none of this matters if you're not in business, right? So let's keep you in business and then let's have some fun. Seems like a low bar. Let's keep you in business, but sometimes keep you in business means making sales calls or paying the bills or hiring an employee. Those are the types of things that end up at that line? That's correct. And again, this is this is an ongoing process. So if you get to the point where you're so stressed out and you have things that you keep pushing off for later, you come back six months later, it's still not done. You need to reset here and figure out what is going on. Why am I constantly behind on what I want to get done? If you go through this process, how quickly will it make an impact? Is it the type of thing where you just make the list and the clouds part and you think, oh, wait, these are the only things I have to get done today. If I do this, I'll be okay. That's correct. As soon as you do it, you feel an immediate sense of relief because it's facts. You just look at the paper and go, this is, this is what I'm doing. There's no hemming and hawing. There's no stressing out. There's no what ifs. You wrote it down. Now you do it. And it seems, really, again, really simple, but you'd, you'd be surprised how stressed we get about anything. And I just said to my clients, look, at, this is what you're doing today, right? One, two, and three. Yes. Okay. Now what? Now you do it. Just go do it. <laughs> just go. Go away. Go do the stuff. Okay. So let's pivot just a little bit on the conversation. You've told us how to do the prioritization. 
You've told us how to focus on the big things to help move the needle. In general, how do we get here? How do you see clients go from really smart, accomplished people to completely overwhelmed messes? Are there any behavioral traits or things that you observe over and over that help people get to this overwhelmed position where they need the one, two, three strategy? Yes, they're either really disorganized because they're really good at what they do and they're so passionate. They help people with what they're just naturally good at. But when it comes to the additional business side of things, right? They didn't get in business to do bookkeeping. That's not what they want to do. <laughs> so when they step outside of their purview, they get overwhelmed and they don't understand that they need to delegate. So it's really important to, to recognize what you're good at and what you're not. And unfortunately, when we get to this point, we just have to get out of the weeds, right? We need to get those number ones out of the way. And then we can step back, take a breath and bring on some team members. That is the issue because people will get to the point where they know they need help and then the roadblock comes. But I don't have money to pay a team member. And I've heard coaches say before, you can't afford not to. So how do you walk someone through that pain point? So if they genuinely say, I do not have the money in my bank account, great. So let's use this methodology, right? Keep you in business. And then go from there, right? Focus on one thing at a time. And so the whole point of this is to reduce your stress, figure out what you can take action on, right? We're all riled up. We want to do something. Great. Let's hone in on what that is. Do it and take it one step at a time. That's it. And one step at a time on the right stuff will lead us to the money in the bank account so we can delegate to someone and that just will slingshot our productivity and our success. Okay, you heard it. Getting organized is as easy as one, two, three. Donnell Kelly, Oxley Help. Thank you for making that so simple, and thank you for coming on the Pat Miller Show. Thank you, Pat. I really appreciate it. We all get there. We all get overwhelmed. We all get frozen by not having a clear agenda. And hopefully that conversation with Donnell will clear the decks for you so you can get back on track and create your next big thing. And if you're in the process of creating your next big thing, don't fall into the trap that so many of us fall into, which is we take a bunch of time to create something, but we don't take a bunch of time to promote what we've created so no one comes and no one buys. Inside the Idea Collective, we brainstormed 30 ways, 30 ways that maybe you don't think about to promote your next big thing. I'll share the list and we'll talk about it next on The Pat Miller Show. America's small business conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. If you're like me, you're always doing something new in the business. Either it's a video on YouTube, a new episode of your podcast, a new event that you're having, a new promotion you want your clients to know about, a sale in the store, whatever it might be. You're always trying to get the new thing in front of the people that matter. And one place where we fall down is telling people about what we do. I was inspired the other day. I saw someone say that creating content and getting an audience is distributed 20-80. 20% is making the thing. 80% is telling people about it. And in today's distracted, disconnected world, 
I think that's pretty accurate. We have so many places to try and get people's attention, and people's attention is distracted into so many places that we have to do a bunch of work to promote whatever it is that we're doing. So inside the Idea Collective, our international online community made up of small business owners that are collaborating with one another, we had an Idea Slam meeting, which is an open brainstorm. And I asked them the question, let's list all of the places we can think of to promote our latest thing. Now, again, that thing could be I need employees to I have a sale to I have a podcast to whatever it might be. But where can we talk about what the latest thing that we're doing is? And we wanted to get non-traditional because everyone's going to say, oh, put up a social media post, make a PDF flyer, boring. We wanted to come up with new ways or at least capture all of the ways we could think of and put it into, say, a best practices or a checklist or a way that we could really get obsessive about where to promote whatever it is that we're doing. And we came up with three big buckets. And by the way, you're going to want to download this uh, segment from our podcast feed at patmillershow.com because I'm going to go fast and I'm going to list all 30 ways that we came up with to promote your event. So you might want to go to patmillershow.com and capture this podcast episode because I'm going to go fast. Okay, we broke the 30 ways into three different buckets. Bucket one is everyday communication. Bucket two is social media beyond just doing a post. And bucket three are new places to post the information. Okay? Everyday social media and new places. Those are the three buckets. So you can either take notes or you can just listen and brainstorm and then go catch the podcast episode at patmillershow.com. Are you ready? Let's start here with the everyday communication. When we think about everyday communication, we kind of lose track of all the places that we are listed organically. All of the ways that we show up in front of our clients and colleagues that we may not pay attention to. So here are some ideas. The first one is a good old-fashioned email blast to the people on your list. That's like a free space. You know you got to do that. The second one is to create a link tree account. So if you're on Instagram or other places that don't allow you to post links, you're familiar with Linktree. If you're not familiar with Linktree, it's basically an easy-to-run website where you can put links to all of your stuff. Oh, go to my Linktree, and there you might find your calendar booking link, your latest discount code, the online registration for your event, whatever it might be. But create a Linktree and keep it up to date. The third place where you could jam in your latest offer or thing you want people to know about is your email signature. Your email signature is really easy to change. It's in every email that you send. So you could put a hyperlink and a one-sentence summary of what you're doing inside there. Inside your calendar link. So if you use Calendly or another calendar tool, when you confirm a meeting with someone, the bounce back could say, hey, don't forget about the new thing I'm doing. You could create a new lead magnet for people to get a sample of what you're doing and then click through to get the whole thing. Then there's your website. On your website, you could put an announcement bar at the top. You could put a pop-up on the landing page. You could create a special edition page of your website, or you could create a blog post. Again, a 
total free space. Of course, you could create a blog post. But maybe you make that blog post with a unique point of view. Instead of saying, here's a blog post about what I'm doing, maybe you make a blog post that says, here's what I learned while I built whatever it is that you're doing. Like you give it an angle, right? You could create a special edition of your business card if you're doing in-person networking with the event information on the back. Cheaper than you'd think. If you do a digital business card, one of the ones that you tap on someone's phone, you could update the information there. You could put a footer on all of your invoices. You could do a special version of your elevator pitch. Good morning, everyone. As you know, I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, and I'm not talking about the Idea Collective today. I want you to know all about artificial intelligence. That's why I'm hosting an event on April 10th, blah, 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 right? A custom version of your elevator pitch. You could send a text message if your CRM allows it, and you could update the message that people get while they wait in your Zoom waiting room before a meeting starts. That's just stuff that we do every single day. Let's turn our attention to social media. And again, if you're just joining us, the 30 ways you can promote your next big event or offer that you might not already be thinking about. On social media, update your profiles. Inside your profile listing that talks about what you do, put a link to your next big event there. Every time you comment on somebody else's social media posts, you could also say, and I'd love to invite you to the event. Every group that you're in, make sure you put a post inside the group to let them know that it's happening. The footer of your social media posts, and what I mean by that is, let's say you make a Twitter thread, information A, information B, information C, and if you enjoyed this, you might like my event, right? Put a fourth post on your thread. The other thing that social media sites love right now is going live, not just posting, doing a live stream, They love that, and you can get some good clearance there. Social media has a bunch of different ways you can do it. That was just what we came up there. So now the big finish. The additional places you can post the information beyond everyday communication and beyond social media. Make an event on Eventbrite and Meetup. That sounds so easy, but very few people go that extra mile to create an event on Meetup or Eventbrite. The event boards of all of your organizations, many of your associations have event boards or newsletters. If you don't abuse it, but you called up the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce and said, hey, friends, I've got an event for Lincoln business owners. Do you think you might be able to include it? They're good people. They might do it. It's worth a shot, right? On your podcast, make a special episode just promoting the event. So let's say you were subscribed to the Pat Miller Show podcast, which you should be, so you don't miss an episode. Blatant plug. In between my full episodes, I could make a two-minute episode that just says, hey, uh, while you wait for the next episode to come down the pipe here, I wanted to let you know about this special event that we're doing, because I know you like the show and you might like the event. Just a special episode that's stuck into your feed. If your podcast has ad injection, make an ad for your event. Get it in all of your past episodes. Update the notes inside every episode to say, and coming soon, this event. The other thing, partners, sponsors, and hosts. Ask them to promote and share whatever it is that you're doing. So you could go to them and ask to be in their newsletters, to ask to get a share on their social media. Don't overlook the opportunity to show up at their events 
and stand up and talk about what you're doing. And then this is the biggest one of all. This one's really good. If you're going to ask people to help you promote an event, make it super, super easy. Some people call that a swipe file. And in a swipe file, you would have a tweet, you would have a paragraph, you would have a full newsletter, you would have graphics, you would have links, you would have all of those ways that someone could just right-click, copy, and paste promotion for your event. Don't allow any friction when it comes to helping people promote your event. So there you go. 30 ways to promote your latest event or offer or need in your business. If you need to hear all this again, it's up at patmillershow.com. Don't overlook the 80% of the work of building your audience and everything will grow bigger and better. Up next, let's talk about networking with Chris Dyer. It's up next on the Pat Miller Show. America's small business conversation continues next on the Pat Miller Show. Now, America's small business conversation continues on the Pat Miller Show. This segment of the show has one purpose. Teach you something you can use from someone who's doing it themselves. The segment is called What's Working Right Now, and it's our chance to talk to a smart person and learn how they're doing it so we can do it too. Joining us today is Chris Dyer of Chris Dyer Consulting, and we're going to talk today about something that I haven't really heard put this way before. But first, Chris, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you, Pat. I am awesome. I'm glad you're here, and I'm really intrigued by what you want to talk about When we go and we meet new people, we want to build relationships and we want to ultimately get people to like us so we can win some business. But you go a little bit further than that when you talk about relationships. I've heard you say it's basically creating influence in people that you meet and relationships that you build. So can you talk about that a little bit? Because I've never heard it really put that way, that it's not just knowing people, it's about creating influence. Sure. No, thank you, Pat. I appreciate that. Um, so really this, this journey, the epiphany isn't that long for me. The good news is I'm, I'm a quick learner and I have the capacity and the ability to connect with people fairly quickly and just being very genuine and authentic. Well, you know, when a lot of people are new to the concept of network marketing, there is a negative connotation that goes with that. And that comes with the stereotype of being quote unquote, a used sales card salesman or somebody who's just showing up an event to pass out business card. And what's interesting is we go to multiple events and we see this exact behavior and it, it, it's sort of tongue in cheek, if you will, but someone who is building influence with connections and community, they're not going to be there just to hand a business card. They're really there to create an impact in a positive way that sets themselves up differently from everyone else. And I, and I dropped the term, the flock of seagulls just before we, we went live on the air is how, how do we differentiate (laughs) ourselves from what everybody else is doing? And so there've been a couple of key ways that have worked beautifully in, in my business and really just, um, having a lot of fun with it. I mean, it's fun to go out and connect. It's fun to go out and get to know other people. What's interesting is I also learned early on the benefit of 
going to multiple different styles of networking groups, not staying just alone in a single singular region or demographic, but to expand my bandwidth by going to many different groups. And that actually allows me to provide credibility because then I have more connections that are going to, it allows me to give influence by providing additional resources for an individual. When you're talking about creating influence, the very first thing you said is that you have to be differentiated. What do you mean by differentiated and how do we find our way to become differentiated? You become more interested in the other individual. You become interested in things that they are interested in more than just talking about a product or a service, right? It's looking at the bigger picture, playing, I know, to, to quote Simon Sinek, it's the infinite game. It's not looking at the immediate tangible, oh, I'm going to make this sale. I'm going to have this new client. It's like, oh, I'm going to play a much longer game, which over time is actually going to create more impact and more results and serve a bigger purpose in a bigger community, not just looking at filling dollars in a bank account. And you mentioned learning about your prospect or learning about the person that you're trying to connect with. That seems to go a long way when you're actively trying to learn from the person you're talking with. What are the benefits of doing that? Because that will help develop that unique relationship, won't it? Well, absolutely. And when you follow up, it gives you something tangible and useful and practical to follow up. If you if you know they're in a particular sport, you ask them something that's important. If you know that they have kids or grandkids, you're asking them about something outside of business. When people see that you are coming to them for conversation and it's authentic and genuine, it doesn't all have to be about business, but the business comes potentially on the other side of that. Or your next referral is going to become because you've built credibility on something solid not just a platform on what's in it for me. Yeah, and this strategy is not something that happens fast. It sounds like this is a long game, but you're building deeper relationships. Is that what we should expect if we implement a strategy like this? Absolutely. It's it's not the <laughs> it's not what the other um if you're working for another company or a direct sales or uh, a multi-level marketing, right? There it's it's definitely a much different approach. And I know part of your philosophy, Pat, is be sure that you're building your own dreams and not just building somebody else's. So Mm -hmm. when you're building your dream, you're building your brand, you're also building your credibility. And when you add your visibility in many other venues, besides just your small regional networking event or group, then you build influence. Then you're really building a strong four-legged platform that is limitless, really. And it's being willing, open to play a global game, not just a regional game. To drive this point home, you say something that I haven't heard others say before. I've always heard no like and trust, but that's not what you say. You say no love and trust. Can you expand on that? Because I've never really heard it put that way before. Well, well, absolutely. When, When I ask questions of the other individual, I'm immediately... I'm immediately going to the heart, right? I'm going to ask them questions that's going to, in a roundabout way, reveal what's important to their heart, not their head. And that's part of the no love and trust. And when you start asking 
and understanding what's truly important to them, whether it's family, maybe it's a maybe it's something they've struggled with or, or another organization. What's what's an organization or what's what what are they passionate about? Mm-hmm. Then you you drop from the head into the heart. And that's where you start developing, that's where the individual starts softening. The whole demeanor, those walls start to dissipate. And then you can talk human to human, heart to heart, right? And then that just makes you more memorable. And when you have your follow-up conversation, it's more about them and not so much about their business. And in fact, in, in conversation, I don't even talk about myself or my business unless I'm asked. I'm always going yeah. to be asking those open-ended questions so I can learn as much as I can. And when people are truly interested in my heart and what I have to say, then I'm, I'm happy to share. So it's, it's not a one-way street, but it's definitely a way I'm always going to be on the auspices. I'm there to learn about you. How can I serve you? Who can I connect you to? And that is the quickest, best, most authentic way to build influence. So compare that to what you do when you meet someone for the first time. Are you collecting business cards and adding people to your pile? Or are you meeting people to create influence and make real connections? Absolutely brilliant session. Thank you so much, Chris Dyer, Chris Dyer Consulting. Thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. Thank you. Well, that was a fun little episode. Boy, we went everywhere today, didn't we? We talked about how to make your events more impactful, those 30 ways to promote your event that you really aren't thinking about. You've got to go back and hear that. PatMillerShow.com is where you find the podcast episode. Those 30 ways to tell people about what you're doing, there's just money waiting there for you if you have the discipline to get through and do the work. We talked about discipline with organization and Donnell Kelly. We talked about making a bigger impact when we talked with Chris Dyer just a moment ago. And we also, well, I kind of had a moment. I'm feeling guilty. Should I feel guilty about that when I was triggered earlier in the show? If you missed it, I was triggered by someone who was tweeting about Wharton MBAs lowering themselves to become small business owners. And oh, man, that made me so mad. I I haven't been mad on the radio like that in a long time. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed it. Again, if you missed it, catch the podcast at patmillershow.com. And while we're talking about the website, can we talk about this for a second? When are you coming on the show? You're running a small business. You're building your dream. I want to talk with you. I want to hear about what's working right now. I want to have a small business celebration with you. I'd just like to get to know you better. It's free to come on. It's super easy. We have a good time. PatMillerShow.com is the place where you can join America's Small Business Conversation. I'd love to have you come on the show and tell everyone about what you're building. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach on the planet to help you build your small business dream. We'll see you next week right here with America's Small Business Conversation. Thanks for listening to The Pat Miller Show. See patmillershow.com for more information on today's guests, events, and the Idea Collective small business community. A worldwide group working together to fight fear, inexperience, and isolation for small business owners everywhere. Join us next week for The Pat Miller Show. And remember, get clear, work hard, and never quit.
Guests on the Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of the show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.